This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Welcome to Accelerate Your Business Growth, where we're exploring all sorts of business topics. Experts from around the world join me, your host, Diane Helbig, for a conversation where they share their expertise with all of you. Take what you need, when you need it. Featured on Inc.com, Forbes, and MSNBC's Your Business, this podcast is recognized as one of the best podcasts for small business, sales, leadership, social media, and more. When it comes to business, Accelerate Your Business Growth has got it covered. And now on with the show. My guest today is Shanif Danani. Shanif is a chat GPT consultant with a background in software development and data science. He helps businesses understand and build systems that connect their internal and proprietary systems to chat GPT, enabling internal employees customers, and other stakeholders to reap the benefits of using large language models on their own data. He's built machine learning, analytics, and software systems at Twitter, Tap Commerce, Booz Allen, and smaller startups like Aptio, where he was the founder. Thanks so much for joining me today, Shanif. Diane, thanks so much for the intro. That was awesome. I'm excited for this chat. Glad to be here. I, I am too. I, before we started recording, I mentioned to you that um, this is such a hot topic and it, it we, um, we're we just having a conversation about it actually this morning, two days ago, you know, it seems to be taking over the conversation. Everyone's excited about it. Um, you know, I've been working in AI for maybe 10 or 12 years now. I've never seen it this hyped up and this hot before. So it's a crazy time. It is a crazy time. So, um, Let's just to give listeners, because I feel like part of the challenge is that there's so much that's unknown about it that it makes people really nervous. So explain to the listeners, if you would, what exactly is chat GPT and how is it, if it is different from other AI language models? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I I love to sort of level set because there's so much hype around this stuff. It's always good to get on the same page. Um, ChatGPT is basically just the name of the software that allows you to type in something and get an intelligent response back. Like at its core, it's basically a, a piece of AI that can respond to you, something you tell it intelligently. Now, the way it does that, it's really interesting. Uh, the way it types makes you think that, hey, maybe this thing can actually think, it cannot. Um, but really, it's like a really smart chatbot. And so uh, because it's that sort of smart, it's, it's, been, it's enabled people to do a lot of interesting things. But at its core, it's just spitting out a bunch of words that seem to be making sense. <laughs> okay. So how, uh, how does it – that's not how I want to ask the question – where is it getting that information from? And does it actually learn 
through people asking it questions? Yeah, you know, I'll, I'll actually tackle that second one first, because that okay. question I've asked, I've been asked that question twice in the past 24 hours, and I actually wrote a blog post about it. Um, now, there's a big common misconception here. A lot of people think, hey, as soon as I type something to ChatGPT and maybe correct a response or tell it to add some more information, as soon as I type that, it's going to learn. That's actually false. That's not how it works. Um, and that's, yeah, that's a common misconception. Now, um, why is it a misconception? Well, this sort of takes me into the into the first question you asked, like what's actually what's actually going on with these things? How how's, how are they working? Yeah. Ultimately, what the way that these things work is the company that built the, there's many companies that build these large language models. ChatGPT is probably the best known one. In order to build these things, you have to gather lots of data, hundreds of millions, if not billions, of examples of of text uh, interactions or essays or articles, what have you. Uh, from the internet, this is essentially where a lot of them came from. This information from books and encyclopedias as well. But these companies gathered all this information from the internet, and they basically created this model. This this you can think of it as almost like a mathematical function. And they said, "Here's all of this text-based data. What you need to do now is learn how does this data get created. Find the patterns that allow you to say, okay, when I see these words come up, these are the words I should spit out next.'" really just saying, okay, these are the words uh, that I saw in my example data from the internet. And then these are the words that came next. So I'm going to learn these patterns. Now, because they were given so much data across the whole internet, and because these models, these mathematical functions are so, so big, billions and billions of variables, because they're so complicated and complex, they're able to learn really, really sophisticated patterns about how we as humans talk and write and create content online, and they're able to learn all of the nuances that go into this stuff. So why does this matter? Well, it matters because when you type something to ChatGPT, it's not actually taking the results and feeding that back into itself. What it's doing is at some point in the past, this mathematical function was created. You are basically giving it data that it then uses to come up with an output and then that's it. It doesn't take that output and retrain itself uh, immediately. What might happen is that the company who creates this, in the case of OpenAI for ChatGPT, they might save your conversations. And they, they actually say they do this. They'll save your conversations. And then at some later date and time, point in time, what they'll do is they'll take your conversation and then update or retrain ChatGPT so that it's got your information later. So that's generally how this stuff works. Hopefully that wasn't me rambling. I could talk no, about this stuff it, for a minute. It was not. <laughs> <laughs> it was not your rambling. That was awesome. great. I followed that entire thing. Um, and I think that's tremendously helpful. So now let's talk about um, how companies can be using it in their internal workflow and decision-making processes. Like how, how, how does one go about really taking advantage of it? That's, that's the crux of the issue, right? Like you as a business owner or a worker, you know, how can you use this as another tool? And, and right. that's really what it is. It's another yeah. tool. Um, I've seen a lot of different use cases. So one of my first projects with chat, I'll give you a few examples and I'll maybe generalize them to what people right. can do. Uh, one of my first projects, I was working with this company and they had about 82 million product reviews. So you buy something online, you write a review about it, choose sneakers, cooking pots and pans, whatever, come up with a review. We used ChatGPT to basically assign categories to all of the reviews. 
And then, you know, these categories were pretty smart. You know, you might have somebody saying a whole bunch of things about a really sweet and cinnamon-based tea that they drink during the holidays. You might get a category like sweet aromatic flavor or reminds me of the holidays. Pretty good categories. Uh, we use ChatGPT to come up with these categories, and then we use them to assign these categories to these reviews, which then allowed us to come up with a dashboard. That dashboard could then be given back to the merchants, the people who are selling these products. And we could say, hey, look, like most of your customers really love the cinnamon flavor or they love the aroma. So instead of you talking about how easy your packaging is, maybe you should update your headlines to say, talk about the cinnamon flavor. We are now able to do that automatically. So that's one example. Um, another example, so let's say you've got a whole bunch of documentation, thousands of pages of, uh, let's say, building codes. Here's another project I almost worked on. You got a whole bunch of building codes, talks about construction, like how far does the door have to be from the fire escape, and it's just too much information. And maybe you've got it on a website, but your search functionality isn't very good. You know, what you can do is you can use these large language models to find what parts of your documentation will have the answer to your question. You can then ask the question and come up with a final answer. How far does my door have to be from a fire escape in Connecticut for single family dwellings? You can use these large language models to ask these questions. So another project that I have been working on is creating a, uh, a software tool, a bot that can take your company's documentation and then let you query it or question it to come up with the answers like this. So now you don't have to spend time searching or finding information. Uh, and then I'll just give you one final example. A lot of folks are using it for um, coming up with content. Now, this is so, sort of the most obvious use case. You know, I've got I got to write a marketing article, blog post once a week. How can I do that without spending a ton of time? Well, maybe I could use ChatGPT or some of their competitors like Claude or Llama. The, the results here are a little bit mixed. You know, these articles tend to be overly polished. Like they are almost like, too perfect, right? They don't have a lot of personality to them, but they can help you come up with outlines. They can help you come up with content. So a lot of folks are using them that way. So if I zoom out a little bit, what I've found, there's sort of two opportunities here. One, take a tedious problem you've got that it's just taking you too much time and automate it, like we did with the question and answer bot, or like we're doing with maybe you know article writing. Or two, use it to produce a new feature or product that you can start to sell like we did for categorization and dashboarding. Uh, and so those are some of the opportunities and you can apply this to any, most industries and I can give you more examples, but I'll pause here because I've been talking a lot. That's sort of how I've seen companies use it today. I think those are so valuable. And when you were talking about them, it, it got me wondering about, so if an organization has a membership database and it, it's big because the organization has been around for I don't know, 50, 60 years. So people have come and gone. It sounds to me, so I just want to make sure I'm understanding this, that something like ChatGPT could be used to um, categorize that membership database, like between inactive, active, um, base mod, you know, base membership. Yep. Le you know, legacy, whatever, right? I got you. Yeah. So here's the sort of the run. Like this almost sounds too good to be true. And the short <laughs> answer is it can do that. But the long answer is you need to make sure you provided enough information for it to provide the answer that uh, is not that's like contextual and knowledgeable because it's infamous for making stuff up. 
So let's just say you take your database and you only give give it the names, John, John Doe, Jane Smith, Bob Dylan, whatever. And then you say, hey, is this person active or inactive? Instead of it saying, I don't know, it's just going to make stuff up. It's going to say John Doe's active, Jane Smith is inactive. So what you need to do is in addition to the names, you have to give it the date that they were last active. You have to give them what the criteria is for being inactive. And you have to make sure that you have all of this information provided to ChatGPT so that it can quote unquote, make a decision. And that's sort of the hard part today where it's not easy to do that. But ultimately, if you provide it the right information, it will be able to make a decision. All right. So which is leading me to a question about how do you provide it with that information? I mean, earlier you talked about how um, all this information was fed to to AI from all these different places. But like, how would I do that for information within my business? And that's, that's really the hard part, which is where my business focuses. So like I was working with all these people, all these companies, and they were like, yeah, it's great if I can go out and write and ask them, hey, who wrote Frankenstein? Like, yeah, sure. I don't care. Right. But it's like, hey, if I need to know which of my customers in my Salesforce account needs to be contacted today and then write them a personalized email, if I ask ChatGPT to do that, it falls flat on its face. So everyone is like, hey, how can I use this for my business? And that's where you have to add a few additional pieces of technology. And that's sort of what my company does. In order for you to be able to use your own data and your own systems, you need to be able to connect that data to ChatGPT when a user asks a question. So for example, you might use software like mine that connects your Salesforce account to ChatGPT. And you might ask it, hey, how many leads do I have in Salesforce? And what happens is that software will then go and use ChatGPT to figure out, okay, what, what's this person asking and how do I get this information? So ChatGPT can take a look at that question and then it can say, oh, you need to you need to contact the Salesforce API or you need to look in this Google Drive folder because this Drive folder probably has the information. And then your software or my software has to go and get that information from the Salesforce account or the Drive folder and then give it back to ChatGPT. So it's not like you can just go to their website and start asking these questions. You need to have these sort of middle layers of software that connect these these different things together. That's kind of the hard part right now, but there's a lot of companies that are working on this problem, mine being one of them. That, wow. Oh, okay. Uh, thanks for that. Uh, I appreciate it. That that keeps me a little more sane with this whole thing. Uh, <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> right? It's a little it's hard com- to It's do. complicated. Yep. <laughs> I know. I know. This is part of the, All right. So if, if people are listening and they are thinking, okay, well, you need to get started. Is there, like, what advice would you give them just to start exploring the potential that uh, chat GPT could have for them? Yeah, I get this question a lot. I actually would recommend starting simple. There's a few things you can do. Uh, A lot of people today are using chat GPT almost as like a replacement for Google. You go there, you search something, and then it will generally provide you a quick answer. Many times that answer is correct, but sometimes it's not uh, because, again, it can make stuff up. So to get started, you have to know that this is a limitation. But if you know that, you can go and start asking it something like, hey, what are the best keywords that I should target for my uh, small accounting firm to to drive SEO? Or what are, uh, I don't know, what are the best ways to drive new followers on LinkedIn? You can ask these generic questions. They don't necessarily need to be related to your business. Okay. But it's a good way to get started because you don't need to provide it lots of additional data. You don't need to provide it all of this context because it already has this context from being 
trained on the internet and start using it this way. If you write articles on a weekly or daily basis, say, my next article is about X, Y, and Z, please provide me an outline. As you use this, as you use these um, tools more and more for these general use cases, you'll get familiar with them. And then you'll start to say, well, I wonder if I could use it for, for this or for that. And then you'll start to say, oh, maybe I can't. And other times you'll say, well, it actually I tried it and it didn't work at all. So for me, I found it's not very good at generating articles, but it's decent at providing outlines. Um, I'm a, a software developer. So I've also found it to be very, very good at writing code. So I have found different ways to use it from my day-to-day -day perspective. And I'm also building tools on top of it now that people can use to enhance how they use it. But to answer your question, Diane, just start with something small. Like if you find yourself doing something that you don't like to do, that's sort of tedious, see if you can ask ChatGPT how to do it or to do it for you. That's great advice. That That is great. I had no idea that it, it knew how to code. Now, um, we, you know, so we're talking about ChatGPT as opposed to AI in general, which makes me curious about in your estimation, um, where does chat GPT fit like, just like in the greater landscape and what sets it apart, if anything, you know, what makes it different from all the other languages? Yeah, it's funny. AI has become this big buzzword right now that can mean anything from a smart toaster to like the Terminator robot taking over. <laughs> it's just crazy. Um, on the one hand, it's kind of cool to see. On the other hand, there's like it's a lot of misinformation. So you can think of it this way. I'll, I actually like to think of it as a series of concentric circles. The outermost circle is AI. AI is basically this field of computer science that attempts to create machines that simulate or emulate human behavior. Now, within the world of AI, you've got different things. You've got robotics, you've got search. Search itself is kind of interesting, information retrieval. And you've got uh, like forecaster tools, like you're trying to forecast how much inventory you might have next year. That's actually a part of AI predictive analytics. Hmm. And then you've got these things called uh, generative AI uh, software. Generative AI is a certain type of AI. Okay. And then within generative AI, you've got large language models. In fact, there's a couple of circles around that. But large language models are a type of generative AI. And ChatGPT is a type of large language model. So ChatGPT is a type of AI, but not all AI is... ChatGPT or large language models. It's kind of, that's how I think about it. There are other large language models as well. Uh, one of the other ones I like to use is called Claude. So Claude is a competitor to ChatGPT, uh, C-L-A-U-D-E. And these are private models, but there's also public, you know, what we call open source models, which are, you know, Facebook just produced one of its own open source models where anybody can start to run it on their own machines. You don't have to go to Facebook's webpage to, to use it. So these are like, when you think of ChatGPT, it's a certain type of AI that's really good at producing text output. Uh, there's other similar competitors to it. And then there's other AI tools that don't even deal with the world of language or text. And so that's how I like to think about things. Boy, okay, that that is great. And and I, like I use ChatGPT, and so I know it's, it's part of open AI, but I've noticed that there's, um, like chat GPT three and then chat GPT four. Yeah. Where should people, because the one you pay for the other one's free and, or what, you know, it's, it's an interesting yeah. leveling, but what does that mean? 
Yeah. So now that we've sort of specified and defined what is a large language model, and we know ChatGPT is a type of large language model, now you break down ChatGPT. Well, you know, you've got older versions, which came out, you know, a couple of years ago, uh, and then you've got newer versions. Now, what's, what's the difference? Do I even care? And should I even pay for the newer version? Right. Here's how you can think about it. So right now, you know, fall, almost fall of 2023, the newest version of ChatGPT is ChatGPT4. And what's interesting about ChatGPT4 is it's much more sophisticated in the answers that it gives you. It tends to be better in the edge cases where something might not be super obvious. Uh, it tends to provide better code, better articles, better X, Y, and Z, because it is basically, it was just trained on a lot more data and it is able to uh, quote unquote, remember a lot more data because it's a much larger mathematical function. Instead of 7 billion you know, variables, it's got something like 13 or 14 or 40 billion variables. So it's just better at remembering things and better at producing output. Now, like you said, it's also a paid version. It's almost, I think it's like 10 times more, you know, if the API is 10 times more expensive for ChatGPT4, uh, for those of you who don't use APIs, the web version for ChatGPT4, uh, I think you have to buy it at chat, like you have to buy a ChatGPT plus subscription at $20 a month. And then, you know, you have to pay for that, but the older versions are free, like you said. Um, I find that folks who use this on a day-to-day -day basis who rely on this sort of tool, I personally use it almost every day for coding. Uh, ChatGPT4 is a must-have because it's just that much better than three. But for general things, decision like general decision-making or general content, ChatGPT3, it's actually 3.5 Turbo, that is going to be fine. So it really just kind of depends on how dependent you've become on these tools uh, and then how much you need to use them. So that also feels to me like a, a good course of action is to use the 3.5 and play and get used to it and figure out how it can help you in your business. And then you can identify if it's time to move up. Absolutely. You know, you don't need to pay for it right away. I used 3.5 for a couple of months before I needed to upgrade. So yeah. certainly one of those things where you should get used to it first and then see if you like it. A lot of people don't actually use it. Uh, on their day to day, because it maybe doesn't help them. Um, but I've seen that more and more people start have started to use it, and they found ways to use it. So yeah, just get familiar with it first before you need to pay. All right. So so looking forward, because it feels like this has just been moving beyond the speed of light. Um, where do you see it going, and and what do you think needs to be in place in order for humans really to be able to maximize the value? It's moving fast. Um, I see sort of the short term. Let me break it down in terms of short term, midterm, long term. So right. short term, like right now, you've seen things are moving quickly. A few months ago, it was just ChatGPT3. Now it's four. Now you have plugins where it can look into your Excel files and it can look into your PDFs and it can look, you can use it to create images with Canva. So in the short term, What's going to happen is these tools, not just OpenAI, which creates ChatGPT, but all of these businesses that are creating these large language models are going to start developing business use cases where the idea is you just type in what you need and it'll come up with like 80 to 100% of the output for you. Um, there's a lot of business use cases, specific business products, specific business use cases that are going to be created into these tools very shortly. And I think we're going to see uh, businesses use them 
for things like search, for things like content generation, automatically creating your slide decks, which you know Microsoft already lets you do, automatically creating videos and, and taking a picture and animating it. You know, ChatGPT doesn't do this by itself, but you can certainly use it in conjunction with other AI tools. So you're going to start to see these applications where we as humans have a few tasks we need to do right now. They're tedious. We're going to automate them. In the midterm, there's, and this is another thing that's part of the product I'm building, there's this idea of what's called like an autonomous agent or self-directed software, which is software that can take a job that needs to be done and accomplish it without human level input. So you can say, hey, go order me a pizza. It'll go to the Domino's website, pick out the two pieces of types of pizza you want, put in your credit card, have it delivered without you typing in anything. I've actually seen a piece of software that did this a couple of days ago. So this wow. stuff is coming maybe even closer than the short term. Or you can start to say, hey, take meeting notes and then email them to me You know, at this email and then summarize them, provide a transcript and then send my transcript to the rest of my team. And it'll do all that. It'll join your meeting. It'll record them, transcribe them, take notes, email them all without you having to do anything more than just type what I just said those two wow. sentences. So this is the world of autonomous agents, which is coming around. Um, I suspect this is going to be a few years in the future because these things are really, really hard to create, even with how sophisticated chat GPT is right now. Okay. These tools use LLMs, large language models in the back end. And then in the future, you know, 10, 15, 20 years from now, it's, it's so hard to visualize, but I suspect almost everything is going to be automated. And, you know, we're going to have a lot more uh, self capable machines doing a lot of the things that we just don't want to do. I also suspect robotics is going to start to become more uh, interesting and we're probably going to have in-home robots for a lot of different things. Maybe not in 10 years, maybe in 20 or 30, but a lot of interesting companies are working on that now. So that's sort of where I see 50 or hundred years in the future, who knows, it's going to look like a totally different world, but that's sort of where I see the future going. Wow. I'm thinking Jetsons, you know, or yeah. <laughs> robots cleaning their house. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is crazy. And and I, I got to tell you, Shanif, I so appreciate you spending this time with me and answering these questions because I feel like I have a better understanding and I use it and don't necessarily understand it. Um, but that's how it is with most software for me. <laughs> but I know this is such a hot topic and so many people are uh, wary of it you know, confused about how it goes. So this has really just been invaluable to make it more, um, less scary, I will say, yeah. and, and more understandable. Thank you so much for this. Uh, it's my pleasure. I love talking about the stuff in a way that makes it tangible, but I think there's just too much media hype around this stuff. And so it's always nice to be able to say, here's actually what it does. And here's how I think you should use it. And a lot of my job is actually educating business owners on how to use it. So my pleasure. Exactly. Absolutely. So speaking of which, will you tell the listeners how they can find you? Yeah. So my, uh, you know, I'm, I'm pretty active on LinkedIn. So you can look me up. My name is Shanif. I'm one of the only ones out there. S-H-A-N-I-F. Uh, feel free to email me, Shanif at locusive.com. Uh, that's L-O-C-U-S-I-V-E.com. Also, our website talks a lot about what we're doing for companies. So uh, locusive.com, Shanif Danani on LinkedIn. Feel free to reach out. I'm always happy to talk to folks who are interested in this stuff. Awesome. Thank you. I'll make sure all that is in the show notes because I use Cast Magic, which, right? I mean, it creates titles, gives me LinkedIn posts for my podcast. It, it is a game changer for me. So it's awesome. Yeah, very I'm all, cool. I'm all about this, this stuff. <laughs> Automation. 
It's all right? going that way. You know? Exactly. Oh my gosh. Well, thank you again. And listeners, thank you. You are who we're doing this for. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Accelerate Your Business Growth, a production of Evergreen Podcasts. Discover more episodes of this podcast and explore others at evergreenpodcast.com. As always, continue to prosper and be curious. And if you're looking to get your sales strategy headed in the right direction, pick up a copy of Succeed Without Selling on Amazon or wherever books are sold. Until we meet again on another episode of Accelerate Your Business Growth, goodbye and good day. Hi, my name is Sarah, and I want to tell you about my podcast called Can I Offer You Some Feedback? I'm a business consultant and executive coach with over 20 years experience in change management, leadership development, and naturally providing feedback to high performers. My podcast is for those of you who have a complicated relationship with feedback, whether giving, receiving, avoiding or seeking, feedback is essential for our development. In each episode, you'll hear from real people across industries with their ideas, perspectives, and best practices on feedback. I'll also be sharing business bites with you, simple explanations of organizational tools, management techniques, and leadership philosophies that will help you and your businesses thrive. You can listen to Can I Offer You Some Feedback on your favorite podcast app or learn more at evergreenpodcasts.com.